Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about eliminationism, great new term to use in the 2020 elections, the church shooting and Biden's buffoonery, the Virginia gun confiscation plan and the Second Amendment sanctuaries, and New York City anti-Semitism, de Blasio blames, I'll tell you who. And finally, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hi there, and welcome again to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis, and welcome to today's First Five. First, I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas, a Merry Christmas, a lovely Hanukkah season, and we have just a couple days left here in 2019, and then we will be in the roaring 20s in just a couple of days. I think the 2020 election in November and literally every day between January 1st and election day in November are going to be very consequential not just in the outcome of the 2020 election, but ultimately in the, in the path America takes, in the future, the promise of America or the loss of America. It is among the most consequential years ever in American political history. A term I heard over the holidays uh, last week I wanted to mention and just talk about a little bit how it's being used and why it's, kind of, it's one of those manipulation terms. The term is eliminationism. Eliminationism. And I'm going to uh, interject, I'll get back to this in a moment, interject a quick story. So uh, after the holidays, I was getting together with different friends, uh, you know, girlfriends, having lunch and dinner and such. And I was hearing a story uh, about this uh, woman who's uh, had a great relationship with her daughter. Daughter, you know, great life growing up, you know, had enjoyed high school, was an athlete, cheerful, upbeat, you know, happy family, intact family, you know, churchgoers. And um, this daughter came home uh, from her first year at college. She came home for Christmas, and in this Christmas break, having been gone, obviously, for several months, away from home for the first time, came home to announce to her parents that she was so glad she had learned in the time she was away at college that really America is a terrible country, that we have a racist history, that really she was pretty much calling her parents racist because they believed in certain policy outcomes that she didn't believe in or certain ideas. So she really came home from just a few months away from her parents having not just heard other viewpoints and had her, her life experience exposed to other viewpoints, she had been turned completely against her family and everything she grew up with and everything she believed in and as a child. Now, I'm not saying this is the end of the story for this girl, you know, this is just um, a uh, you know a snapshot in time and she's got long life ahead of her and she may come around or she may learn different things, but I'm getting at the point that in America, we have, and I know this is stating the obvious, but we have deep political divide. We have a deep political divide in part because Young people, some young people having gone off to college and heard the radical leftism that pretty much lives in the hearts and minds of most university professors, administrators, staff, the whole, in many universities, the whole field of the universities is very left wing. 
which is to say very anti-God, very atheistic, anti-God, anti-religion, anti-American, anti-freedom, anti-free markets, anti-everything good about America. And so this family I was hearing about over my mic break, I think those kind of conversations might have happened in families all across this country. I'm sure they did. And it leads back now to this idea uh, that I want to talk about in, uh, t- for 2020, this eliminationism idea. The term, it has been used as a title of an article, and it is used by the leftists as an accusation against President Trump. It is saying that President Trump must be shut down because he in turn is the one who's shutting down everything good about America. And I want to get at trying to run through that little bit of the history of this eliminationism idea. There was actually a a tweet that became famous, and this was from Oklahoma City University School of Law professor Phyllis Bernard, who described some people, her political opponents, this is a law professor, described in a tweet her view of her political opponents, people who disagree with her politically, as a cancer on the body politic that must be excised either by separation from the public at large, through censorship, or by outright extermination in order to protect the purity of the nation. There is a mindset on the American left that has blossomed, grown uh, like a cancer on the American left that holds to the idea that their views are the only right ones. Not just that we should have the robust debate of ideas, robust discussion about border policy, security policy, tax policy, uh, free markets versus socialism, uh, foreign policy, immigration policy, environmental policy, no discussion allowed. The idea on the left, the actuality of the way the left practices politics today in America in 2019, soon to be 2020, is that anyone who does not agree with the left-wing worldview on every single topic must not just be debated. In fact, should not be debated. The mission is to shut them down to make clear that views other than those blessed and agreed to by the American left simply may not be uttered in America. You see this in countless areas. We've talked on this show about we have the uh, border security policy and any idea, any argument about, well, maybe we should have adequate border security. Maybe we should expand the wall. The answer of the left is never, well, we think this is the way to secure the border, or we think that, you know, we shouldn't secure the border at all. I mean, some of them will admit that, but the point is, we don't have discussions. We have the assertion of, yes, we should have a border by conservatives, by President Trump and others, and we have the left saying, therefore, you are hateful, xenophobic, um, you know, racist, and that's why you want to have a secure border. We have this phenomenon going on in countless in issues I could run through the rest of the show today talking about just this phenomenon. But the political tact the left has taken is to say, because they have defined the only outcome that may ever be permitted is to attack conservatives, anyone who dares even say, shouldn't we discuss this policy? Maybe we should consider other alternatives. No discussion allowed. They're not to the point of exterminating people on the right 
but they're talking about the idea that the views of conservatives must never be permitted. They must be kept out of the media, kept out of academia. You see the college campuses filled with leftism, nearly, nearly a, a voice uttered on most college campuses of conservative views. It is a shutting down of any debate in this country. Now, back to this term that is called eliminationism. This book that was written about it was talking about how, uh, you know, eliminationism was kind of the last extreme used by people who simply will not tolerate political opposition. So they gave us examples, um, you know, the Rwandan genocide and the ethnic cleansing in the, in the Yugoslav wars um, and the uh, death marches to the Auschwitz concentration camp. They gave examples of where countries simply gave up on or refused to work through their problems by negotiating, discussing, understanding, and the people in power took the notion that you will be shut down. We will kill, imprison, or in some other way exterminate or eliminate all political opposition. My argument to you today is that this is a mindset not that the left is talking about physical extermination, but the idea of ending any possible debate on issues of all kinds is a left-wing view. You will not be permitted to have an alternative view and have a reasonable discussion. And, but this term, again, one last thing in closing out in the first five, this eliminationism is that this is what the left is, is this term, they are applying it to President Trump. There was a, an article, and you can read it on our website, AmericanCanWeTalk.org, on the homepage, under shows, drop down, list of links. But a guy wrote this piece uh, talking essentially about labeling Donald Trump, he, saying he has officially become America's eliminationist in chief. What they are squabbling about, what he's saying here is that Donald Trump is the one that America should be concerned about because he's shutting everything down. He's not permitting debate. He is the one who is you know, bulldozing everything, not permitting debate, and all the left would like to do is have a discussion, but he's the bulldozer. But the examples he gives are things like, because Donald Trump dared to issue the executive orders that protect us in the case of refugee policy, that we're going to actually actively vet refugees from countries filled with people who mean America harm. The idea that was, the other examples he gave in this article was the idea that Donald Trump has said, you know, we, we can't keep just letting in all of these waves of migrant refugee caravans into the southern border. We have to actually reassert our border. We have to reclaim American law. We have to insist that there is going to be, uh, there's policies in place and we apply our policies, we apply our, our thinking and we decide who can come here based on existing law. And if someone wants to change that law, then they have to do that. The idea of stopping the, the just invasion to the southern border the insistence on, and oh, another example he gave was that he that Trump was critical of the squad, the, the left-wing squad in this country that has really taken over the Democrats in Congress. And I'm getting at, and I'm, I, if you're wondering, is she going to connect these dots or not? Yes, I am. In this 2020 election cycle, you're going to hear the argument over and over and over from your leftist friends, from your young people coming back from college, all filled, newly filled with hatred for America. You're going to hear from the media that Donald Trump has become this extremist, this, this um, eliminationist, that he is eliminating all public debate, that he is forcing his agenda, that he is not, you know, that, that he is dictatorial. 
And it's exactly the opposite that is true. What Donald Trump has done in this country in the mere three years he has been president is to reassert the idea that America is a sovereign nation and deserves to have an enforceable border. That America is a good country and should be protected by our military. That we should have a strong military that protects us. That America thrives with a free market economy. And so we're going to work to, to make a robust economy and put people back to work. Donald Trump has restored America in many, many ways. And the fact that he is not negotiating with the left and what they want is really what's making the leftists crazy. They cannot believe that this guy is actually implementing the agenda he said he would do, that he's actually standing up for that agenda, and he is using the power the Constitution gives him to put that agenda in place. This is what is driving the left nuts. It is the left that has this eliminationist mindset that says, my way or the highway, and they are outraged because Donald Trump is actually saying, no, I won the election, I'm going to act as president, and I'm going to put in place policies that preserve this precious country. So if you hear eliminationism, that term, and maybe it'll go, maybe it's just a fad the last month, it'll go away, but if you hear this term, understand it is the American left that is their uh, you know, their modus operandi, their MO, to be eliminationists, to shut down all discussion of any issue and anything that they don't like. And you know, folks, it's up to us to insist that we in America get to discuss the issues. We do not have to surrender to the left's bullying, that we are going to stand up for our country and frankly going to point out it's the left and not President Trump guilty of bullying the American people in silent conversation, silencing conversation. And my friends, that was, this is, wraps up my first five, more like first 14. But hey, I'm just back from a break. I had a lot to say. So I want to uh, turn about you probably and talk about this church shooting. Um, you know, I live in Texas, um, do this show from Texas, and there was a horrific shooting in a church just yesterday. Um, so just Sunday, Sunday church service, people sitting in, I think it was a Church of Christ. And um, a gunman came in, a, first of all, a stranger to the church, someone who just came in, uh, several people commented afterward that he, they didn't know him and that he, uh, he, alarm bells went off when they saw him and that they, they thought he was dressed in disguise. Uh, he, he, he was kind of creepy, but he was there a little while. Anyway, he got up in the middle of a church service um, yesterday morning here in Texas and opened fire. I believe it was during communion, but in any case, he opened fire. Um, he had a gun, he pulled out a gun, shot one person. And here in the gray state of Texas, there were at least four armed members of Congress, uh, members of this church, including one who was actually a certified firearms trainer. I mean, his, his job is to train people to use guns. And that one guy from 50 feet away, I mean, I, I was going to play the video for you. I decided not to because it's really quite alarming. But you can watch the whole thing in video because this church live streams their church services. So literally, the shooter got up. He shot one person, did kill him. Four people jumped up. One guy who is a train, uh, you know, is a he teaches people with firearms, uh, 50 feet away, one shot and, and killed this um, shooter. It's a horrific story. 
It's a horrific thing to imagine being in church in the blessed feeling of Sunday morning, being in church, enjoying the, you know, your time to pray and listen to God's word and sing hymns and just, just, you know, away from life's busyness, a time dedicated to serve, to enjoying your faith and practicing your faith and attending services for this to happen. But the outcome was two good guys, two innocent people were killed. The shooter uh, was also killed almost instantly. So I raise this story in the context of America to talk about where we are. And this is not just how buffoonish Joe Biden is, but also what it tells you about the American left, that they're working so hard to take guns away from law-abiding citizens. To back up and tell you that what happened in Texas was in the most recent legislative session, or maybe the previous one, there was a bill that got through, the governor signed, that said essentially, it changed the law because we already had the law in Texas that says you can carry a gun if you want to. So you can be in church carrying a gun. This Texas state law never prohibited that or didn't prohibit that. But, the, but when churches wanted to put in place their own church member committee to a security committee and have them armed so the churches themselves setting up their own protection having their own members serve as uh, armed protectors that had in Texas a procedure that was cumbersome and it took too long and it was obnoxious it took too long to get churches to get certified to just be able to have uh, a committee that protects the church and, and carries guns in case they are needed so the change in Texas legislature was that what you're, this is what Biden was talking about in this clip you're about to hear. The Texas legislature actually just changed the law to make it much easier for churches to have committees like this that are in place with armed members to protect their own church. So here we have Joe Biden, presidential candidate, making comments uh, at a little kind of presser. I think he just gotten off the plane little presser about when uh, our governor in Texas signed that law into being. Here we go, Joe Biden. And the second one is, is on the dealing with uh, firearms. It is irrational, with all due respect to the governor of Texas, irrational what they're doing. On the very day you see a mass shooting, I guess the numbers now, I was on a plane the last two and a half hours, they up to five killed. Um, and we're talking about loosening access to uh, have guns, be able to take them into places of worship, store them in school. I mean, it's just absolutely irrational. It's totally irrational. And it's okay, I want us to make a couple comments about Joe Biden. Number one, when do politicians like Joe Biden and others ever say, wow, that was a great thing that that church in Texas yesterday had armed members who protected, who saved the lives of literally, you know, there were, I think it was 125 people in church yesterday in this particular church. Who knows how many the gunmen planned to take out? What if no one had a weapon? What if that person took out all of the members of that church? You never hear Joe Biden or other Democrats acknowledge that actually Guns in the hands of law-abiding good people protect innocent people. You never hear them admit that. In fact, I want to give you a picture. Uh, this is a guy. There was a, a guy um, whose name was, um, I don't even have it in front of me, but he was a member of this church. Uh, it was the clip I sent, the very wonderful Matt. This is a picture of this guy. 
he is a he's the one who is the uh, he's former FBI. He owns a firing range. He trains people how to handle firearms, and he was the one who actually um, t stood up and and killed this gunman almost instantly. And he actually was asked about it in an interview, and he said, "Yeah, I did it because I had to take him out because because the gunman was you know doing something wrong." And he said, "Because evil exists." That's why I had to. So all those years of firearm training, 50 feet away, one shot. I mean, I have to tell you, everyone in that church is putting thank yous up on Facebook today. Thank goodness someone was there to protect them. So the first point on this story is the gun control advocates like Joe Biden are driven to argue and argue against any law that seems to expand and protect the right of civilians to own guns and never to never take a moment of honesty to say, well, I might have criticized that law that enabled this, but you know, in this case, it was a great thing. They just can't do it. Number two, though, and the far more serious thing, we'll talk about this later in the show with respect to the amazing battle going on in Virginia. But number two is this. What is the reason that a politician in America assumes that the American citizenry, the non-criminals, the good guys, the, the, you know, the Joe good guys, what is the reason that leftists work so hard to take guns away from people? Why? Because if you think about where it gets you, it gets you where their ultimate heading is, it gets you to a society where only the government, only the police, only government officials have weapons and the entire mass of citizenry, the millions and millions of Americans are supposed to be unarmed and somehow those politicians are arguing that makes America safer. And I want you to picture and think about, we've talked about this before in the show, this is what left-wing gun-grabbing politicians have done since time began in, when, since guns existed in this world. Left-wing, big government control types, left-wingers, communists, socialists, forever and a day disarm the citizenry. They always do it. This is what happened in Venezuela. Maduro, Chavez, and then Maduro disarming the citizens. So you can't fight back when the police are shooting you in the street. In Cuba, the government disarmed the citizens before they said, by the way, you know, now that you've given all your guns away, you know, and we have all of them and you, you have no ability to defend yourself, you know, we're communists, we're closing the border and we'll shoot you if you try to leave. This is what Hitler did, this is what Stalin did. Understand, evil leaders throughout history take guns away from their citizens. If you would hear leftists ever acknowledge this in this country, if you'd hear Democrats ever say, look, we love having a, a, you know, an armed citizenry, a Second Amendment, a robust Second Amendment. We're just trying to do a little bit of a tweak here. And they're not. They're forever and ever working to take guns away. And it goes to the larger point of what the, the primary foundational difference is between how people who love America think and the anti-American left thinks. The basic notion of the Second Amendment to our Constitution is not about making sure people have access to guns so they can defend their homes from intruders, go hunting, uh, do target practice. The primary reason we have a Second Amendment, a right to keep and bear arms, 
a right held by private citizens is the right is because we had a, deter a recognition that we have to have a balance of power between the people and the government. That a government that has disarmed its citizens has left those citizens helpless. And when Joe Biden mouthing off about Texas and mocking the idea that, pre that Governor Abbott thought was a really good idea to let churches have a committee like this, this is a guy who doesn't have the integrity or the character to say, well, at least in this instance, it was a good thing. I'm sure glad those gunmen, those legal gunmen in that church could save the lives of all those people there. But you don't hear that from them. And I think on that reason alone, it's not just, I, I'm not a big gun person to be clear. I mean, I've handled guns, I've shot guns. I, I completely believe in the second amendment and uh, I would happily use a gun to defend myself if I had to. But I'm not a big gun person, but I'm a big believer, an ardent believer that the Second Amendment's roots are tied to the idea of the right of the individual to defend himself, even from the government that we're all supposed to, you know, that we all want to trust. But the idea of the Second Amendment is to allow people to be armed, to have the ability to protect themselves. So it was a big, big story in... Um, in, uh, obviously in Texas and ramifications flowing. People are all praising this guy. I want to ask, um, okay, so yeah, I think that's it on that story. I, I might come back to that story more because there was a lot about this guy. You know, he was a uh, former FBI. He trained people how to handle guns. You know, a, a very beloved member of that church and a beloved member of the community. And everyone that community is, is saying, thank goodness he was there that day. Think about this when you hear leftists arguing for the next little gun grab. Oh, we don't really mean to take away all the guns. We're just gonna tweak this and just gonna do this and just gonna do this. It's always an effort to increase the government's control over the people to reduce your freedom uh, to own guns in this country. Okay, uh, our next thing to, I wanna turn to, this is uh, actually gun related also, this is in Virginia. But it actually, again, goes to the power of leftism, or, or it goes to the motive of leftism, the mission of leftism. And Virginia, that precious historic state right outside of Washington, D.C., is really setting, um, it is going to be for America in 2020, it's going to be an issue to look at, a place to look at, to understand the difference between the anti-American left and the pro-America view. You likely know that in Virginia, the Democrats swept the elections in Virginia. A lot of reasons. We've talked about that this in the show before. You have more and more of the Washington elite moving into northern Virginia. They always vote for big government. You had a huge refugee influx into Virginia over the last decades. So you have something like, it was like 30% of Virginians were not born in this country. I'm not saying that they were illegal and voted. I'm, I mean, maybe some did, but I'm saying that People came to this country and they had a large percentage of influx of refugees into that state who may not have had an appreciation for the depth of the difference between the anti-American left and what America is supposed to be. But anyway, here we are in Virginia. They have a Democrat governor who somehow survived his blackface scandal. Um, and we have a Virginia legislature that is on steroids proposing more and more gun grab legislation. The Virginia legislature passed some bills, they have some pending, and they're going to be implemented. They're gonna get through because they've got a Democrat majority, and so there's really nothing to stop them. A, a wide-ranging series of gun-grabbing uh, piece of legislation in Virginia. 
And the reason it's so interesting that is that Northern Virginia might be kind of liberal. It's got the Washington elites moving in. But Heartland, Virginia, the countryside of Virginia, is filled with patriots, is filled with people who own guns, is filled with people who understand that gun ownership is not just really an issue about You know, I like to go hunting, but I don't like to go hunting. They understand the Second Amendment as a basic civil right issue, a basic right guaranteed them in the the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, that relates directly to their ability to defend themselves, not just from intruders, but from the government itself. So in Virginia, we have now legislation you know, ready to roll. It's, it's headed out. I was going to read some of it to you. But, uh, so that, that's kind of one side of it. The Virginia government ready to grab guns. You're know, working hard to think of ways to grab guns. And then the other hand of Virginia, you have now, and the number is, I looked it up to make sure the most recent numbers, you have various counties and cities and towns declaring themselves sanctuaries for Second Amendment sanctuaries. Kind of like the leftists have sanctuary cities where they won't enforce federal immigration law. In Virginia, you have of the 95 counties in Virginia, 76 of them have declared themselves Second Amendment sanctuaries. 76 of 95. Over over three quarters of the counties in Virginia have declared themselves that that they are Second Amendment sanctuaries. Nine out of 38 cities and 13 towns, they've adopted Second Amendment sanctuary resolutions. So Virginia is being set up right now for a, as a battleground in 2020 because the leftists who now run the state have already announced, in fact, the Attorney General for, for Virginia has announced that he is that all of these resolutions by counties, cities, and towns claiming themselves, defining themselves as Second Amendment sanctuaries, the Attorney General of Virginia has said, these declarations, these resolutions, I don't care who passed it, they're unenforceable. The state is saying, we don't care if you just said that you are a Second Amendment sanctuary and that you're going to you know, hold, protect gun owners. The state of Virginia is confiscating guns and you're going, and you can't stop us. You can't stop us. So you have, for, so you have a battle being set up, just because of that. Compounding that, and recognizing the just astonishing determination of leftists to take guns away. The Virginia corrections budget was just put out by the Virginia legislature. The upcoming corrections budget. They have announced in that corrections budget they're increasing the budget they have for jails for jails. And among the reasons they list as why they have to do this, why they have to be building more jails in Virginia, is because of anticipated resistance to their gun gun confiscation mission. Now they don't use those words, but they're saying we have people who are already telling us we're not giving up our guns. We're not doing it. You have the state saying, oh, yeah, you are. So the state is in anticipation of the rebellion against this gun confiscation, already putting in their budget more money to to the corrections uh, budget. So you have. um, And they also had within Virginia, by the way, uh, in these elections that led us where we are, we had Soros funded, George Soros funded organizations 
and Bloomberg, the big radical leftist uh, running for president, money into the state, pushing the state to push, helping the Democrats, so therefore pushing the state to uh, toward this gun confiscation mentality. And when you when you are the recipient of donations like that, if you're the politician and you took money from Bloomberg's group or Soros's group, you're going to do exactly what they tell you to do. You're going to go ahead and pass legislation these people wanted because they enabled your election. So you have the government increasing funding for jails. You have the government announcing all sorts of, you know, and I, I could get into legislation more. I, I may do this another day because I think sometimes people say, well, you can't, you know, if you're a Second Amendment proponent, you can't call every single bill that might get proposed, you can't call it all gun grabbing. It's not all gun grabbing. You know, it's some of them are safety measures. Some of them are just, you know, little steps along the way. But what they've done in Virginia, they have tipped their hand. In fact, you can read on my website, you can read the various pieces of legislation that have been proposed. Um, and they are, um, again, my website, americacanwetalk.org, on the homepage, under shows, drop down, list of links. You can read the uh, piece of legislation they're proposing in Virginia. One of them is this red flag law idea. Red flag law, basically the idea is that the government, if they get a complaint from someone who says, hey, you know, Joe over there or this person, that person, they're a problem. I think they, they have guns. They make me nervous. I'm not sure they have a good purpose for the guns they have. They may be planning something. So the government can, they've, they've been given a red flag by a citizen, so they can then come confiscate your guns. Now, there's some procedure that you go through, and I suppose ultimately you can go up to the judge and, you know, argue your case and say, well, yeah, you know, I, I only had, you know, my, the person who complained about me only did that because she's always hated me or because she's retaliating or he's retaliating. I mean, you can have, a, ultimately there's some hearing, but this is the government preemptively seizing guns. There are new provisions in the proposed laws that relate to, of course, they're always on the automatic weapon mode, but they break down in so, the gun grabbers are, they break down in so much detail all the different pieces of, of the gun parts you cannot own or possess because those gun parts might ultimately be used to build an automatic weapon. Folks, they're taking away their guns. One step after next step after next step, all in the, under the argument, we're just trying to protect people. We're just trying to keep this place safe. And at the end of the day, the gun owners of Virginia are not going to put up with it. And I think it's actually really a, um, it's a good, um, it's a good reminder for Americans who are concerned about gun safety, as everyone is. You hear these church shooting stories, and, and they're horrible. And school shootings or mall shootings, wherever they happen, they're always horrible. And everyone wants to figure out something to do. Everyone wants them to stop. You know, except for the shooters, no one wants these things to happen. But I will tell you that when law-abiding law gun owners face the prospect in Virginia of going to jail for not turning in guns they own when they haven't done anything wrong, this is not preventing the mall violence, the, gun, the shooter violence. It's, in fact, there's, there's so much, so much um, evidence, so much investigation and proof that shows that many, many of the worst shootings of all, the shootings that happen in horrible places and horrible consequences, 
that the gun was purchased legally, even though they have among the strictest gun laws in the country, that the person who purchased the gun and committed the act, you know, had the right to purchase it. And then the other thing that happens is that people, criminals who want guns, buy them illegally anyway. So what happens is the law-abiding people cannot get access to guns, while the non-law-abiding who are perfectly willing to buy them illegally will be armed to the hilt. And this is a battle, again, it's not just about guns. It's important to get this point, especially for women. I think women tend to be tempted to vote for gun control because we are so distraught, as everyone is, but distraught about these gun, the gun violence ongoing in this country. Every time you hear about a new shooting, it, a lot of women are saying, well, Jimmy, gather the guns here because look what happened. But you have to understand it. It's a freedom issue. It's a self-defense issue. It's a balance of power issue between the people and the government. And when you have the left in this country so determined to take control of so much of America, so driven by socialism, and socialist leaders, by the way, in, the, in world's history, big gun grabbers, big, pe big advocates of taking away the weapons of the people, and the American left is immersed in socialism, not just Bernie Sanders, but most of the American left, the leaders of the American left, immersed in socialism, it's a very dangerous trend to agree that people who are embracing socialism, embracing big government, more and more determined to control more and more of America's lives, and now they want the guns too. We Americans, and women especially, we have to be alert to this. We can't give in to the, you know, the, the uh, notion that there's an easy solution here, was, is an easy, you know, we'll just get, take away the guns and that'll fix it all. We are surrendering freedom in our society if we do. Last story for the day, and this one actually breaks my heart, but I want to share it. Uh, we've been talking on this show about the growth of anti-Semitism in this country. So over the last couple of weeks, you know, Christians in our country celebrating Christmas and uh, Jewish members of our uh, citizens in our country celebrating Hanukkah. In New York City, especially, there is an enclave, and in other big cities too, but New York City has an especially well-known and large enclave of very Orthodox Jewish people, very committed, very, very devout Jewish Orthodox people. There is a crime wave, a mini crime wave, going on in New York City with literally strangers walking up to Jewish citizens of New York City, citizens of America, and physically assaulting them, beating them up, punching them in the face. And so the crime wave got to the point that even Mayor de Blasio, the uh, very leftist Democrat mayor of New York City, agreed to go on a Fox show for an interview to talk about what in the heck is happening in New York. I want to mention a couple other things about this. So we had, we had at least nine in the last week anti-Semitic attacks, literally people walking up and physically attacking people who are obviously you can determine by the way they dress or the conservative Orthodox Jewish dress. They, they knew what they were happening, knew it was that, that these people were Jewish and they were punching them. Um, and you had, of course, this horrible thing that occurred inside um, a rabbi's home in a Hanukkah celebration where someone broke in, was actually stabbing people uh, and was ultimately stopped and, and ultimately arrested. But the rise in anti-Semitism in New York City and around the country and in Western Europe and especially in, in England, but around Western Europe, is very, very alarming. 
and in New York City. Now we're going to go to the clip I sent to the very wonderful Matt. This is Mayor de Blasio of New York being interviewed about what's happening in New York City. I also want us to be clear what's happening here. An atmosphere of hate has been developing in this country over the last few years. A lot of it is emanating from Washington, and it's having an effect on all of Wait, us. Wait, so you're saying you're blaming the president by saying Not it's just from Washington? I'm saying, but we have to be clear. We need a different tone starting in Washington, okay, which so we had, by the way, with Democrats and Republicans both in the White House, that encourage this country to actually find some unity and some common ground. We okay. haven't had that for the last few Let's years. Let's talk. Okay. He went on, the second point he went on to, which I don't have time to get to today, but he went on to this uh, in New York City and maybe other large jurisdictions too, but if the assault happens with just your hands, if you just walk up and beat up somebody, punch them in the face, and, and uh, to be clear, many of these victims are women. One was a mom walking down the street with her young child. Someone walks up and punches her in the face. But if you don't use a weapon and you're arrested and you go, you're, so the police take you to jail and you go in front of a judge, the law in New York City is that if you did not, you know, if you didn't use a weapon, you get released without bail. You didn't have to post bail. They just release you. They have one woman in New York City. I think her name was Tiffany Davis. I was trying to find it. I think it's Tiffany Davis, but yeah. Um, she has been arrested like 14 times. She's a, uh, a black woman, a, a New York City resident. She's been arrested at least 14 times for physically assaulting Jewish people, walking up, punching them in the face, she doesn't use a weapon. She goes in front of the judge. Judge releases her, and off she goes and does it again. She did it recently on the day after a previous arrest and a previous showing up in front of the judge who let her out. So it was, they were also asking him about that policy. And of course, he's saying, ah, you know, that doesn't have anything to do with it. But I want to get to what, what the, the, to me, was the nub and the crux, the importance of what the story is about America. Mayor de Blasio is trying to blame. And he says, oh, no, no, I'm not blaming Trump. He's trying to blame President Trump for what he calls the atmosphere of hate. He's saying that's why these things are happening. President Trump, to be clear, has a daughter who converted to Judaism to marry her husband. He has, he has numerous Jewish members of his own immediate family, his grandchildren. He is the president that moved, finally honored Israel's request and moved the, the American embassy in Israel to Jerusalem. Other presidents promised never did it. He's the one that agreed with Israel's annexation of the Golan Heights for all the reasons we talked about other shows, only as a step toward keeping Israel safe. He has locked arms politically with Israel's prime minister. He supports him. He helps him. He has, he, President Trump, is not the cause of anti-Semitic hatred. The left, on the other hand, in fact, one more thing President does, President Trump is the one who fights against the anti-Semitic, you know, uh, movement on college and campuses and all over this country uh, to fight the BDS movement to boycott, diversify, and sanction Israel, or boycott and uh, the BDS movement to get out to punish Israel, boycott, divest, and sanction. Trump fights BDS. Contrast that with the left. The left supports the BDS movement. The left criticized President Trump, and I'm talking about Democrats in Washington, criticized President Trump from moving the embassy. They didn't, they, they supported the Palestinians who try to keep control of Jerusalem and don't want to let the American embassy be there. So the, the left has, in America, 
In contrast to President Trump, the left supports the BDS movement. They oppose honoring Israel's choice of where they want to have their, uh, the American embassy. They could not bring themselves to even punish Representative Ilhan Omar as she makes anti-Semitic statement after anti-Semitic statement. They can't even punish her. They never support Israel. They attack Netanyahu. The American left fights Israel. The American left does not support the state of Israel and is therefore, if anyone is to be blamed for generating or promoting anti-Semitism, it's the American left. So I want to be clear what I'm talking about here and why this matters to America. Anti-Semitism, as, you, as we all know, know those who know our world history, it ultimately got us to where we had the Holocaust and we had the loss of millions and millions of innocent lives. Anti-Semitism is as old as the Bible. The reason people are anti-Semitic, the reason they hate the Jewish people is because they hate the idea of God. It is why in ancient times, the Jewish people were hated by the people around them because they got around to the idea that we are going to honor and worship the one God. Anti-Semitism is hatred of Jews Anti-Semitism is hatred of God. The American left has strives very hard to drive faith, the place of faith, the importance of faith, drive God out of the public life, drive God out of American society to remove protections for Christianity in this country. If there ever was a party, a side in all of this in this, in this country who is determined to drive faith out of our country, to diminish the importance of our, our Judeo-Christian roots, it is the American left. And the idea, and that thinking, that legitimizing of anti-Semitism by the American left, legitimizing of anti-Semitism uh, in this country that the left engages in, is if anything is to be blamed, that's what you blame. That the, we don't have enough leaders in Washington, both sides of the aisle, denouncing the BDS movement, denouncing anti-Semitism, calling it un-American, calling it out, and honoring the place of religion in this country, the Judeo-Christian history and roots of our country. That, my friends, is what greatly legitimizes and emboldens haters in this country because they hear no defense of Judaism and Christianity and the place of faith in America from the American left. And now, my friends, I want to turn to tell you about why the stories we talked about today matter to you. But before I do that, oh, sorry, Matt, the wonderful. Before I do that, I want to mention one thing. I do a weekly email. It goes out on Friday. I do links to the shows I've had this week. If you'd like to receive that email, it's a really good one. It's once a week only. I never share it with anybody. And you can, though, use it to catch up on the show. And you can use it to share the show with your friends. So if you want to receive that email, go to my website, americachemitalk.org, on the homepage, hit subscribe, and you'll get that weekly email uh, this coming Friday and every Friday. It's, really, it's, a, it's just very information-packed, easy thing to do. I love sharing my show with you. I love sharing links to the segments. It allows you to share my show with other people. Now, let's talk about why the stories you talked about today matter to you. Okay, on our very first story on eliminationism, the rhetoric in the 2020 election, why it matters to you. Eliminationism ideology says certain views are so offensive and wrong that the people who hold them must be silenced, shamed, and shunned, maybe even to the point of eliminating them. 
eliminate, I can't even say the word right. Eliminationism is tyrannical and anti-civility. It is the rhetoric and policy direction of today's anti-American left. Examples, the LGBTQ agenda, climate agenda, open borders, unlimited refugees. The left's view, my way or the highway, no one else gets to have an opinion. President Trump is restoring America by honoring religious freedom, reasserting borders and wise refugee policy, restoring free markets and a strong economy. Do not buy into the left's projecting onto Trump what they are actually doing. On the church shooting in Texas and Biden's buffoonery, Texas gunpacking church congregants saved dozens of lives this weekend. Recent Texas laws simplified church authority to implement armed protection. And Joe Biden mocked those laws as irrational. Why does the left never acknowledge cases like this? Why are they so driven to grab guns? And why do they distrust American gun owners? The left's determination to disarm Americans must not be underestimated or dismissed. Take a look at Virginia. And now we go to Virginia and gun confiscation and the, and the Second Amendment sanctuaries. Do not look away. Virginia elected Democrats to control their legislature and laws implementing gun confiscation and felony imprisonment for gun possession are being considered and passed. Virginia's rural counties are rolling out their own sanctuary county policies. They're vowing not to comply with the laws and sheriffs are vowing not to enforce. The governor and the Democrat legislature are defying the Second Amendment and threatening force against Virginians. This is how civil disobedience is triggered. Never forget a simple principle. If the government possesses all the guns, the people are not free. They're not citizen sovereigns. They're powerless subjects. And finally, on New York City and anti-Semitism, de Blasio blames President Trump, who moved the U.S. Embassy in Israel to Jerusalem, acknowledged Israel's annexation of the Golan Heights, locked arms politically and publicly with Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu, has children who are devoutly Jewish, fights against the BDS movement. President Trump is not the cause of the surge of anti-Semitism in America. Blaming the growth in hate crimes on Trump is irrational. And that, my friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tune in every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time, right here, wherever you're watching or listening. Thank you so much for listening. I love hearing from you. If you'd like to email me, ask questions, suggest topics or guests, I love hearing from you. My email is americacanwetalk at gmail.com. And I urge you to do every day what I do, which is to speak up for America, the most extraordinary, unique experiment in human liberty ever to bless this earth. Speak up for America because America matters. I'll talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth about America? Can you hear-